Hi, my name is Shannon. And I'm Emma. And welcome back to We're Sorry, We Can't, Don't Hate Us. I'm sorry I can't, don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore. I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you $100 if you say something bitchy about someone we know. So, Emma, we're talking about the Zaza Zoo today a little bit. Um, and for anybody listening that doesn't know what the Zaza Zoo is, um, it's the feeling that you get when you really, really like someone. Yeah, so, I Emma, think... oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, like, I think Carrie likes someone so much that she forgets what they look like which was always really weird to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever liked anything that much that I forget what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Emma, what has the Zaza Zoo made you do? I had to think about this one, um, but there was somebody that I did really like. And we went on a date, we had a really nice date, um, and I really thought things were going somewhere. Um, when all of a sudden they were like, oh, can I actually date you and my ex? And I was like, hmm. no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, we had had a few drinks. Um, so I was feeling a little tipsy. They were feeling a little tipsy. Um, but I said, you need to leave. And so they left. And my friends were having a pleasant couples game night, um, as they do when you're, you know, couples and you play board games together okay. and I ubered over I remember calling an uber feeling kind of drunk I <laughs> burst burst and I am not exaggerating when I say I slammed that door down honey and I burst <laughs> through it and I said he dumped me in like the most dramatic voice which wasn't even true because we weren't fully dating and he didn't dump me I dumped him, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It was weird. But anyway, so my friends, of course, their boyfriends are there. And they're like, what the frick is happening? But my friends quickly scuttle me into the bedroom. And they're like, OK, what happened? I explain what happened. And they're like, we're taking you out. And out of pure solidarity, which I feel like, you know, the Sex and the City girls would do the absolute same, um, out of pure solidarity, we all just got completely trashed, like completely trashed. And we went out dancing and, and that was it. <laughs> and that was the Zaza Zoo. It basically just made me become this very dramatic door slamming person. Um, mm, yeah, up to the drama. Yeah, it really upped the drama for me when I'm typically a very you know, down to earth person. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm that sounds like an episode. I know. I know. Exactly. Oh, that's um, amazing. Did you yeah. have a good time dancing? Oh, were there any other amazing. candidates that night? There were no other candidates, but it really was a night of just like friendship and solidarity. And that's what I love about that story. Truly. Oh, I didn't even mean to get so mushy about this. <laughs> um, but what about you? What has the Zaza Zoo made you do? 
well, um, I feel like I get crushes or I, I used to get crushes a lot and the Zazu Zoo just like nothing ever really happened, but it made me do things or embarrassing things, I guess, like leading up. Um, so I, I kind of had this crush on this guy that like was mutual friends with, I don't know, a few, a few of my friends. And one day he like followed me on Instagram and I was driving and I checked my phone and I got that notification. Like I almost crashed my car. It was was like, holy shit, (laughs) this guy knows who I am. Oh my goodness. And then I, I just moved out and I was living with a couple of roommates. Um, and I, found out that he lived a few blocks away from me. So I I kind of was thinking like, okay, I kind of I want to do something. I want to I want to like make my like intention kind of known. Like I just I thought he was so cute. He seemed so sweet. One of my friends was like really good friends with him and just told me all of the best things about him. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed he seemed like a a good a good bean. Um so a friend or my roommate wanted to have a birthday party and I was like, okay, well, I think I'm, I'm going to invite this guy and you know what? I'm going to hand deliver an invitation to him right to his door. Whoa. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I could, why, why not? But like, it, I mean, it sounds really cute, but the actual, how it panned out was maybe less cute. Um, <laughs> So I, I write like a little invitation and I draw this very cute cactus on it. And as one does when you're trying to romance someone. <laughs> I, yeah, like a little cactus and a pun. Um, honestly, cute. kind of standard. I used that again later and it worked. So <laughs> with somebody else. Um, so I get this and I was kind of nervous. It was like dark. It was a Friday night. I had no other plans but to hand deliver this invitation to this guy's house. So... I had some liquid courage, like two beers, maybe three, but I'm, I'm small. So that like, <laughs> that, that hit me. Um, and I, I go over to his house and I kind of am like standing outside. I'm like, okay, is he home? Are there people in the front doorway? Doesn't look like it. Okay. But the sidewalk was torn up. So I had to like kind of skulk around the side of the house. Um, <laughs> cause he didn't have a <laughs> mailbox. Um, so I get to the front door and I'm like, okay, there's no mailbox. There's no sidewalk. I need to be really fucking careful. And I just open like the front storm door and I put the invitation just down, down by the, the base of the door and he opens it and he's like, hi, <laughs> how are you? He had like seen me skulking around like the side of the house and I was so nervous. I was like, um, hi, yes, just the sputter. Come, come to this party next Saturday. Ah. Um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, this is really cute. This is the cutest thing anybody's ever done for me. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, bye-bye. And I like, <laughs> I booked it down the street. But because I was cu- a couple of years deep, I like tripped over. <laughs> I tripped over this like ledge in the sidewalk and I like twisted my ankle like no. fairly severely so like the next week at the party like I could barely walk I could barely move um yeah and he he did show up to the party but oh he liked your cactus pun what was the pun oh I, I don't know pining for you uh 
No, that's that's too much of a Valentine. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't remember. But it was a very cute cactus. Like you would just say yes to that cactus. I think maybe not I to would, me, but <laughs> I would say yes to any cactus. Well, it sounded like it worked out for you. Yeah, kind of. I learned later that he was actually dating someone at this time, so <laughs> it was uh, it was just never going to work, and that's okay. He's still a very nice, sweet person, and I periodically still see him, and it is all good. Yeah, so... The Zaza Zoo. So what does that have to do with what we're talking about today? Yeah. So today we're talking, I guess, kind of about Carrie's – well, okay. So Carrie tries to make the phrase Zaza Zoo happen. I don't think it happens. Um, but she kind of uses it to describe like this overwhelming – yeah, she she really likes this guy. Um, she, has a, she has feelings for him. Really, really likes someone. And it kind of – it takes her to a point which I think she regrets. And she says a line that just has always really stuck with me. So she's having – this is from the episode in season five, episode eight, <laughs> I Love a Charade, um, which is just a really phenomenal episode in my opinion. Um, but Carrie is having a little picnic with Berger, and they're both kind of staying in the Hamptons for the wedding of Bobby Fine and the iconic – Bitsy Bob Muffling. Um, and Berger is kind of like talking to her about relationships and, you know, their exes kind of come up into conversation. Um, and Carrie starts really vibrantly talking about her last relationship, which by season five is with Aiden. And it was really hard to separate after breaking up and moving in. You have the dividing of the things, the coming together of the things, the dividing of the things. But she's kind of like she's talking about it with humor, right? So Berger just looks increasingly uncomfortable, like he's sitting in like a wet patch of grass or something. He just looks so uncomfortable. And he finally says, okay, bye, got to go, and like peels away on his motorcycle. And then it cuts to Carrie and Miranda, and they're having brunch the next day. And Carrie says, I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Um, and she kind of – she says that to describe why Berger flaked out and just – you know, he he couldn't take it. She was, yeah, she was talking about her emotions too much. She was, she was revealing too much. And she blames this on the Zazazu because she had so many feelings for him. She just kind of felt like they could all come out in, in a waterfall. But it's interesting when we rewatched that episode together, we were very adamant in the fact that Berger opened up that conversation. Berger is the one that says he starts to talk about his ex and I I really feel like like you said like Carrie uses humor as a way to make it more comfortable which I mean of course on first few dates are that's what it's like um but yeah he really opened up that conversation so I'm not sure what it was about that sort of vulnerability that she expressed like you know that made him zoom away so quickly yeah, it's such a good point. He he really, like, he scaffolded that whole conversation to happen. And she clearly felt comfortable enough to to say what she said. And none of it was, like, overly heavy. But, yeah, it's it's so weird how she blames – she kind of blames herself, right, by describing what happened as I revealed too much too soon. 
and then referring to herself as an emotional slut. Um, I don't know. It, it always stuck out to me. It particularly sticks out to me because she's putting a lot of blame on herself, seemingly. Um, but yeah, it was it like more than the Zazazu, I would say. I think this was a really interesting line of dialogue that just gripped, took a hold of me as a, yeah. as a young teen. Absolutely. So like what, I mean, how old were we when we started watching this? Like 16, when we're still, when we're first starting to even be exposed to the word slut, or at mm. least hopefully, I suppose it could be earlier than that, but, um, and exposed to the idea of relationships and healthy relationships at that, at 16. So what, why do you think it was this line that stuck with you for so long? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting, like, obviously, like, watching Sex in the City, I didn't necessarily have such a negative association with the word slut, so that didn't bother me as much. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting how Carrie described what happened, and I think it was described in a way that I related to kind of tangentially. Um, I just, like, I... I had a lot of trouble with my emotions um, growing up and like expressing them and um, kind of some like maybe tougher shit that I was going through than than what Carrie is describing here um, after a breakup. I mean, I guess I don't want to compare, but <laughs> um, yeah. And I just kind of always would have relationships or friendships, I should say, where it felt like I was trying to open up to someone and tell them about like how I was feeling or what I was going through. Um, and it always just kind of seemed like too much, like they, like they couldn't handle it. Like I, I remember disclosing something to a friend at a bus stop after school one day and she like literally stopped being friends with me afterwards. Cause she just like, she couldn't, she couldn't, she didn't know what to do, I guess with what I was saying. So it always kind of felt like I was too much. Um, and like, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell that to, to other people or I had to be really careful about how I opened up to people and how I like shared what I was going through. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like the emotional slut thing, like I liked it so much that I put it on my bio on Nexopia because it, it, it was almost kind of like, yeah, like that's, that's what I am. That's kind of what I identify as. Like I, I have, I have to be careful about how much I reveal to other people. Otherwise, they're going to speed off on their motorcycles and or a bus and you know run away from me. Well, I mean, it's such an interesting conversation, especially on the word "slut" itself. I mean, of course, we are very anti-slut shaming and all that sort of thing. Sort of even taking power to the word. Um, I was just thinking you have to listen to the Jessica Simpson book. It's <laughs> you would absolutely love it. But anyways, yeah, it's funny because, you know, we're taught, especially as women, I mean, we're taught that, you know, to be more touchy feely and emotional and share. And I feel like there's sort of this contradiction in what society tells us to be um, mm. versus the way people actually react. And when you're telling this story, I actually kind of resonate with it in a different way because I don't know about you, but for me, um, I'm very forthcoming with my emotions with new people. 
mm-hmm. um, except in any sort of relationship capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, with people that there is a potential romantic interest, I have I am like a brick wall. <laughs> and that could come from perhaps being emotionally slutty in past relationships and it not working out. Um, but anyways, the point I wanted to circle back to is that for me, those relationships with friends and people who are close to me, it's those ones where I was actually emotionally slutty or I was actually vulnerable. And those are actually where I think you find that you develop the strongest relationships, Mm -hmm. romantic or otherwise. Um, I don't know if you've had a similar experience, like maybe there was some like, I'm just like putting words in your mouth. I am so sorry, but for (laughs) For me, it's like, it's been those friendships or those relationships where I actually have been emotionally slutty. I actually, my current girlfriend, when we first started dating, um, I had a lot of feelings, of course, like as one does. Mm -hmm. It was also my first queer relationship. There There were feelings pouring out of me that I just could not keep in. And I wrote her a letter. I was like, I can't like describe to you in actual said words that I wrote them all down. And I remember giving her that letter and being like, I just completely fucked this up. I remember having that moment, like, especially with somebody who is a little more reserved, um, but giving her that, those sort of feelings and written down almost was somehow helpful. It paid off. I mean, we've been together now for, I don't even know, three years. I'm so bad with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there are many cases where being, you know, being vulnerable with your emotions, people see that as a bad thing. Um, but it really doesn't have to be, and it really shouldn't be, in my opinion. No, I I mean, I completely agree with you now. I think, um, I, think I just kind of was like, raised that way or just the people that I was around it always um yeah like emotions weren't it wasn't good and it wasn't necessarily good because the emotions themselves are bad it was just like it wasn't to feel anything to any extremity wasn't allowed I guess for me um growing up and I was a very sensitive (laughs) a little soul um Yeah, so I guess I just kind of, it felt like I was searching for a really long time to find somebody who just, like, wasn't going to react as, like, as a brick wall to me when I was sharing, like, what I was feeling or, you know, wherever I was at. Um, And it kind of felt like I was, yeah, I was searching for so many friendships where, like, somebody was finally going to be okay with, like, seeing all of me. Um and not like running away. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. It's like, it's maybe a little, I don't want to get too like armchair, like psychologist, but there's this video of um, a baby reacting to its mother and its mother is like, you know, kind of uh, mimicking, I guess, what the baby is feeling. So if the baby is smiling, like the mom's cooing and, and saying these like, yeah, nice, nice, sweet things. Um, but then the baby or the mom stops reacting and is just like a, a stone wall and the baby is kind of like spiraling like I need <laughs> I need to like see some reciprocity in 
I mean, I guess a baby wouldn't say that, but I, I need to, <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to like see, like, I need to see that mirrored back to me, I guess, like whatever I'm feeling. Um, and the, like, it's weird because the baby just like spins and is like, okay, I'll try crying. Okay, I'll try fussing. I'll, I'll try being happy. And it's, anyway, anyway, that visual has always stuck with me and like, trying to search for someone <laughs> who like can sit there and like not necessarily mirror back what I'm feeling but like not um not be a wall <laughs> yeah and you're absolutely not alone in that and I mean you see it in relationships of 16 year olds you see it in Carrie's relationships when she sometimes acts like a 16 year old but you know if you're not getting that sort of validity back to you that your emotions are there and that your emotions are okay. <laughs> I feel like we went full armchair psychologist and I'm cool with that. Um, but if, yeah, if you're not receiving that validity that it's like, of course, you're going to react out, you're going to act out in different ways. You're going to cry. You're going to give them the cold shoulder. Like, it, like you're going to implement communication methods that aren't necessarily healthy or helpful. Um, and that's why relationships fall apart. <laughs> but that could be a whole other episode. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like, yeah, just Carrie expressing that vulnerability and then like being able to name it. Um, yeah, I think that really helped me like un unlock like unlock what was wrong with me <laughs> in a very like very mild I have no access to therapy sort of way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say what was wrong with you. Cause I think, like I said, in my own personal experience, my most sincere friendships and relationships have been built and strengthened by mm -hmm. emotional vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Um, but however, you know, as we've talked about and as Carrie experienced, like her emotional sluttiness caused Berger to fly away on his motorcycle, seemingly never to return. But of course, we know that's not true. Um, but what are some other examples or expressions that we see in the show? Mm -hmm. Well, so I think Miranda is such an interesting, um, an interesting story of slowly being more vulnerable. And I think really what we should maybe clarify is emotional sluttiness in this regard, we're equating to vulnerability and just, and vulnerability, I think is just a nicer way to, to say it. <laughs> totally. And it's so hot right now. I feel it's, like, yeah. like if, if you're a fan of RuPaul or anything like that, like vulnerability is cool nowadays, but it was certainly not <laughs> when we were 16. And it's certainly something that's still kind of ingrained into us, even though, you know, our therapist tells us to be forthcoming with their emotions, et cetera, et cetera. There's still that kind of feeling inside that you're being too much. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no. I yeah, I, I agree. And once you find people that you feel like safe enough to to be vulnerable with and share like, yeah, how you're feeling on any given day and just kind of know that, you know, they're not gonna treat you differently after you share like I'm really like fucking angry right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sad. I'm having a hard time. Um, yeah, it, like you said, it's just, it's such a game changer and it makes relationships so much stronger and 
more more stable. Um, and to to clarify, I do have that now. It, many years of searching, I believe I have stumbled across something. No, I have, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like Miranda has such an interesting kind of arc, I think, with vulnerability with Steve. Um, and we kind of hear Miranda's character, I think, a lot described as being Miss Boundaries. Um, she has lots of boundaries, lots of walls. Um, really, really difficult to kind of break those down. And I think it's kind of interesting that while we hear that as Miranda's kind of character descriptor, we also see Miranda putting herself out there in these really small ways um, and kind of, yeah, like being a bit vulnerable. And we especially see it in, in a very sexual context. So, for example, I think it was in season two um, where she is dating a guy who really likes baby talk. Um, so she tries like talking like a baby to him. Or no, maybe that's Samantha. Oh, no. I think it's Samantha because I have a very clear uh, memory of her saying, these are not my titty witties. <laughs> these are my breasts. <laughs> That's um, right. That was Samantha. But Miranda was the guy with the... the Dirty talk. The dirty the dirty talk. Yes. Okay. Very, yes. very similar. Yes. Yeah. She tries that and he's like, no. <laughs> he He's not as into it. Um, and she kind of gets shut down a lot for the few times that she does put herself out there. Um, and I think that's really understandable why she would be so, you know, closed off and have such high boundaries. Like it's a lot of emotional work to put yourself out there and to kind of risk, yeah, being hurt or being humiliated too. Like I can't, like that would be so humiliating to be in like a really intimate sexual situation. And I, I think of the guy with them. Who loved to shower immediately after they had sex and um she tried to like get him to not do that and it's like oh yeah so you, you would just feel bad right yeah and you're right like she was completely shamed like numerous numerous times and i think that of course like you said like that wall was sort of up when she met steve but what is it about steve he's sort of like he doesn't really break down that wall. He kind of like chips away at it for years and years because she is not forthcoming <laughs> with her emotions. She, for a very long time, um, but somehow they managed to have that love story. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what it is about Steve that kind of like breaks her down little by little. I think like the the thing with Steve is that he's always there. Like he, you know, I think of the time where she wanted to to make spaghetti and she buys all these groceries after a long day at work and she comes home and the spaghetti sauce drops out of the bottom of the bag and she just starts crying. And Steve's like, it's fine. We'll order pizza. I see like that you care about me. Um, so he's kind of like, he not only stays, but he sees all of it. And he's okay with it. And he lets her know that he's okay with it too. And I think that's just so, that's so important if you're, yeah, if you're being vulnerable, if you're trying something new, if you're like emotionally putting yourself out there, like you have to have somebody that like, like the baby and the mom that sees it and like mirrors back like, yeah, I see this mm -hmm. and it's okay. I'm okay with it. 
Absolutely. And I think just even like understanding, I don't know why, but that makes me think of this uh, when I was at a friend's wedding and I was really upset. I can't remember what, not at the wedding, but we were in Las Vegas and I was upset because I don't know, I, I couldn't even tell you. And I could hear my girlfriend in the other room talking to our friend and she was just kind of like, it's okay just she just needs a few minutes and then she'll be fine she just needs to like let it out and then she's gonna be okay and it was something about that like just that sort of like understanding you know it just like that was so comforting mm -hmm. and it was like it, it was kind of like that like I'm here I am physically here in front of you but I understand that this is what you need right now um it was just like that little moment, um, kind of like Steve is very good at reading Miranda and like seeing what she needs. And it's kind of like that, those little bits, those little bits of work over the years mm -hmm. and years does make them in the long run. I mean, a good couple, they have mm -hmm. their problems like any other, but I think it's, it really is that like communication and um, vulnerability they have with each other that make them so strong. So let's talk about Samantha. <laughs> yes, Samantha, the queen of no emotion, the uh, sex like a man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> What a what a great start to her character arc. <laughs> I know. Um, I think like Samantha's so interesting because she she there are moments where she is really really vulnerable, um, and you kind of see it almost like seep out. Like she doesn't she can't keep the wall up, um, and you see it. I think in season four when she gets really sick and she doesn't have anyone there for her, and she's kind of like a bit of a bit of a sad, sad mess. <laughs> um, but you also really see it come through with her relationship with Smith. And I think that was such an interesting character arc of growth for her because you really see her be vulnerable to, to a relationship because like Miranda's Miss Boundaries, Samantha's Miss No Relationships at all. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the episode i do believe it's the burger post-it episode where the the post post-it <laughs> where yeah. samantha or smith rather is going on oh my god what's that show trl MTV. yes trl <laughs> he's going on trl and you know as his publicist says you know you really shouldn't say that you have a girlfriend or anything like that um but anyways what stood out to me the most is that she, like the most, uh, oh, what was the word they used? The most vulnerable position. I don't think they used the word vulnerable, but along those lines of Samantha was holding hands. Yes. Like that was the most compromising position for her mm -hmm. um, just because that act was so intimate mm -hmm. uh, in and of itself. But yeah, Samantha with Smith is such, I mean, of course, everyone loves Smith. He's super hot and they're just so good for each other, both in a weirdly in a professional way and in a personal way. 
But Smith yes. really, Smith really is, and they talk a little bit about how he's younger, which mm -hmm. also kind of reflects that biphobic episode with Carrie, the famous biphobic episode where um, she dates a younger man. But anyways, there is something about Smith that really softens Samantha in the same way that Steve sort of softens Miranda. Like these are these strong, independent, like fearless women who sort of have these partners break them down a little bit. Yes. Yeah. When uh, Samantha's dating Richard or start, I guess it's pre, it's right before she starts dating Richard and she's trying to sign the ink, the deal, sign the contract, so to speak, to be like his publicist for his hotel chain. And he kind of tells her like, I can't give you the job because you like slept with my architect or something, something along those lines. And she is so overwhelmed with emotion. You kind of see her like just really stuff it down until she gets to the elevator and is like desperately trying to push the button and then it just kind of all falls out. Um, so yeah, you really see her like throughout the show try so hard never to let that show because I, I would hazard a guess that she doesn't see that as a strength, <laughs> um, especially if she's um, if she's in the the business room with a bunch of Richards that you know think a certain way about women that is not empowering <laughs> oh. or equal. One hundred percent. Like who hasn't had that moment where everything just kind of bubbles over and mm -hmm. you know shows all on the surface. Whether that's in a work situation or relationship situation, like, yeah, you are seen as kind of, yeah, you are kind of, and it's not only a problem for women, like, men, you know, men are not encouraged to share emotion or cry. Mm -hmm. And that is seen as a total um, expression of weakness where it's really just, <laughs> we're, we're only human, mm -hmm. like, and then you know, just to go back to Carrie a little bit, like we use those sort of things, we cover it up with humor and, mm -hmm. and self-deprecating comments. And that's how we deal with it, I guess, laughter, but also kind of like negative laughter. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you kind of you make yourself the punchline or you, yeah, you you cover up the hurt with the funny band-aid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cute bunny band-aid yeah as, I've, oh sorry go on oh no I was just gonna say like or as this show does with puns some good some bad <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah I've you know I like I've had a number of the situations like especially at work where I I like have to run to the bathroom to like just let it let it all out because otherwise um yeah I think it's I think for women especially, there's almost – it's not just seen as a weakness, but it's also seen as, like, a weird expectation. Like, women are kind of expected to be, like, more emotional and vulnerable, and that's um, – oh, what's the word? It's, like uh, – it's not weakness. It's, like, um, like, a, like a hit to your, your – like, it's a – or maybe it is a weakness. I don't know. <laughs> but like women are kind of like expected to be that. So I can see Samantha and Miranda too, like really trying not to like feed into that expectation, especially from like 
men and men are just expected not to be that whatsoever and like not even to have those feelings um in the first place and both are both are bad or well not bad but <laughs> crying is bad feelings are bad yeah <laughs> being, being yourself is bad and yeah. and speaking of being yourself what about our poor stanny yes Yes, Danny. Mm. Stanford. Oh my God, rest in peace. Yes, at the time of recording this, uh, Stanford has very, very recently passed. Um, yeah. So Shannon, Shannon texted me that, and <laughs> I, I, I literally burst into tears. I think um, I specifically texted you, "Angel fallen." We have a fallen angel. <laughs> yeah, but anyways. Stanford as was it Rick Nine Plus was that his handle on the gay forums or whatever the gays were doing those days? <laughs> the gay days. The gay days. I think now are the gay days. <laughs> Today is like the age of gay. Those were. Yeah. <laughs> it's beyond day. It's moved to age. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm here for. But yeah, Stanford. Oh my goodness. What a man of feeling. Oh, like, can you? Okay. So, number one. Okay. So, context. We're talking about the episode where um, Stanny is Rick Nine Plus and goes to an online meetup uh, to meet um, Tool for You. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not only does he go to like meet this online companion, um, but it's at an underwear bar where you like literally strip down to your underwear. Like, oh my gosh, like I, wow, I would make it to the front door and then turn around immediately and run the other way. Like that, I full vulnerability of like in body and in spirit to like trust yourself to meet up with a stranger and to do it in your underwear. Like, wow. <laughs> Absolutely. What a, what there's literally nothing more vulnerable than that is being naked in a bar full of sweaty other people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is that the episode where Stanford talks to Carrie and he's like, can we please talk about me for once? No, I think that, so that comes later um, mm -hmm. when Carrie is kind of, um, going on about Mashiko Kakatani in a racist kind of way where nobody is able to say this woman's name. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but she is talking about her book review and Nina Katz, um, who made a face at her. And Carrie is kind of like rambling on about like Nina Katz and Stanford just kind of cuts her off and says like, I've been listening to you for the past, like however many blocks and however many years talk about your relationships and you're not giving me like my time to talk to you about my fresh new relationship with a hot off Broadway dancer. Um, and that was also said, like, can you imagine just like never getting a chance to express how you feel about, <laughs> about a relationship or about so many other things in your life? Cause your best friend is kind of full of herself. Yeah. And we talk about emotional vulnerability in so many ways. Um, like, you know, in romantic relationships and in friendships, but where, where is Stanford's room to be emotional? Yeah. Um, I, you know, care, we've all been Carrie. We're all Carrie's. We know it. Shannon and I admit it. Um, you know, when you started, 
Yeah, we firmly believe that can be our, our tagline. We firmly believe that we're all carries. We're sorry we can't donate us, but it's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's funny that Carrie, you know, has this moment. Of course, a completely different episode with the Zaza Zoo and that kind of stuff. Um, of like, oh, was I too emotionally slutty, of course, and she has this moment. Um, but with Stanford, and she's allowed to be completely open with her closest girlfriends, et cetera, et cetera. But she still sort of has that, those blocked off moments with Stanford throughout the series. Mm -hmm. He's not really allowed that space and he's not really allowed that voice. And I wonder what it is about their dynamic that makes, obviously their friendship is strong. It lasts the series and into the reboot, it, well, as much as they could record, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's just, it just kind of goes to show like, what is the difference between her relationship with her friends and emotionally pouring that all out, but not with Stanford isn't really allowed that space as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But Unfortunate he, <laughs> main character energy. <laughs> yeah, that is super main character energy. 100%. Um, the classic gay best friend. But yeah, Stanford, just to go, let's circle it back to Stanford as Rick mm -hmm. 9 plus, like he's just fully put out there only to be rejected. Mm -hmm. Only to be like, you are not what I was expecting. And this is, this is very early on in online dating. And I haven't, I mean, I've definitely done my fair share of online Tinder those kinds of things, but there is this huge expectation, I suppose. And when Stanford doesn't match that expectation, it's, it's devastating. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. What else about Stanford? <laughs> I, well, I, I really like your point about just like not giving the space for Stanford to like be a full human and you can say like the show doesn't really write the space for him to to be a full character, mm -hmm. um, but I think that's really important when we're also talking about like being vulnerable or like being emotionally emotionally slutty. Like, um, it's important to like have that space and for that to be a safe space. And um, I think Carrie takes that space very <laughs> liberally, um, but for other people, it's like not it's not an easy thing to ask for. And yeah, it's just, it's so important to, um, yeah, to have that emotionally safe place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we should definitely talk about Charlotte as well, because yes. Charlotte is almost like for most of the series, um, pretty standoffish. She's like fairly aloof in her, she very much believes in this traditional, like, you know, wants to have a baby, wants to get married and like quit her job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is completely okay if that's what you want. But it is this sort of like, in her first marriage, you know, she works with the problem, but she's still not very like, she doesn't really share. And to go back to the whole point, like if you're not getting that, <laughs> I love this, um this baby analysis that you shared because it's sort of like Charlotte acts out because she's not getting that emotional 
I guess, okay. I'll step it back a bit. So she does express some emotional vulnerability with, you know, with Trey, she's frustrated, feelings aren't, you, you know, it's just like not really working and she's doing everything she can to try to make this problem work in their relationship. Um, and is very much met with a response from Trey, who side note, Kyle McLaughlin is like my dream man. But anyways, she expresses this with Trey and he meets her with like this really like blank response. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that's just how our marriage is and, and I'm fine, but like kind of like not my problem, a little bit, not my problem. And of course, Charlotte acts out and goes and makes out with the gardener. Cause like, what else do you do? What do you truly, you're not being reciprocated. Your feelings aren't being shared back to you. Um, you know, she feels that her marriage isn't maybe as important to him or what her feelings aren't important to him. So of course she goes and makes out with the gardener. And of course that marriage ends in misery because they're not vulnerable with each other. Yeah. Um, I, th I think an important part of that Charlotte's character and I think even Trey's character is that they come from like a very New York wasp sort of culture. Um, mm -hmm. And as a prairie person in Canada, <laughs> I cannot speak very much to that aside from all of the New York themed shows that I digest. But I think that they're like within that sort of like upper upper crust elite um, population um, there is kind of that uh, we don't ex we don't share how we're feeling and if we do it's uh, it's to our therapist and never to our spouse or spouse's mother <laughs> directly um, so I think like she kind of struggles a little bit with that but you know, we're talking about space and like creating the space for your friend or for your partner to express vulnerability or to um, express something that they're struggling with or frustrated by. Charlotte does a lot of work to try and create that space for Trey, um, who struggles with like impotence and uh, some very confusing sexual desires, maybe with with mom and with the Jugs magazine. <laughs> There's Not something together. there. There's something there. There's, um, you know, there's there's a whole spinoff there uh, <laughs> to explore that. <laughs> um, but she she works so hard to try and like we need to talk about this. We can explore these options. Um, let me dress in a you know sexually stimulating way uh, to you know get you comfortable with with me and not with a magazine. Um, so sad but <laughs> you I know just, she works hard to make that happen and he he just really doesn't bite she absolutely does and you know I when I I always kind of think of Charlotte as my least favorite character in the mm -hmm. show still love her but you know she's definitely <laughs> I like the others more we'll say um but when I think of that show or when I have my own moments where I feel very emotionally vulnerable mm -hmm. um there's been a few times where I think back to that, to Charlotte moments. And one in particular is actually, I think it's in the second movie. Nobody shoot me, please. I know the second movie is terrible, um, but there's some positive things about it. And one of them is this moment where she has her two children. And we've talked about this in the past, how that connection between 
Um, Charlotte being a mother and Miranda being a mother is actually quite nice. But anyway, so she has her two children who are, of course, loud and children and and they're children. <laughs> yeah, they are children. They're making noise. They are stressful. I don't have children, so I don't know. But anyways, she goes into the closet and shuts the door and balls. Just and this is very much like our crying at work, like you just need to remove yourself and just lose it. And even like talking about that moment, like makes me tear up because I've had that moment. <laughs> and I know this sounds so stupid. I know a dog is not a baby. I, I understand that. But when I first got my puppy, I had moments of can I do this? And like I, like almost like regret, like, and it, it's just kind of like that. And I called it, I remember, and I was, I, I am very fortunate with my friends. I am very, you know, they, they've seen me cry plenty of times. Um, but I called it my Charlotte crying in the closet moment, because mm -hmm. it was very much that like real, real, real feeling of being overwhelmed mm -hmm. of just like, I don't know what to do with myself. And I also think back to that moment with Charlotte. I kind of like forgot about it until we just started talking about it. But when she's in that beautiful out, like, you know, she's trying to appear attractive to Trey. She wears this beautiful outfit that she thinks is very like risque. But in my opinion, it was like pretty, pretty tame. I thought it was quite pretty. But anyways, and she says, Trey, like I'm sexual and I love you and I just want to be with you. Like that is an incredibly vulnerable thing to say to somebody, especially mm -hmm. when you're having those kinds of problems. Um, so yeah, when that's not reciprocated to her, that marriage was doomed, sadly, because mm -hmm. we know how much I love Kyle McLaughlin. However, Harry, Harry, what a guy. <laughs> Yeah, the, Harry's Harry's a good like foil for I think Charlotte, um, who, yeah, she has a very like pragmatic approach to relationships, and Harry just kind of like he's very okay with who she is, but he also kind of challenges her to kind of you know let let go of some of those expectations um, that she has. Um, but really quickly, I want to touch on the closet because <laughs> I love I love that moment too, and that that is in the Harry Charlotte um, chapter of, of their lives. But again, like it, she, like she's in the closet, like she, <laughs> you know, she's <laughs> she's having this moment, and it, it has to be concealed from her children, and you know, from I think there was a nanny present as well, or at least nine one one on the way. Um, like, so there's still that kind of like, I'm not, I'm not fully allowed to just like kind of be myself. Like I have to still compartmentalize this and, you know, deal with this privately within myself. Mm -hmm. But she's so good at making that happen for other characters and making, making time. And specifically what comes to mind is right after Carrie finds out that Big has gotten married to Natasha and Charlotte follows her home. And just says like, you know, I, I know you're going to read this and I know you're going to get really sad and I don't want you to be alone when you do it. So why don't we just do it together? And why don't we like, yeah, she like literally makes the space for Carrie to feel all the ways that she's obviously going to feel about 
her ex getting married to to Natasha. Um, so I think it's really interesting how she just doesn't she doesn't seem to provide that opportunity for herself, but she's clearly capable of doing it for other people um, in spaces that she deems to be appropriate. Probably not in public. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely the following carry home and doing it in the privacy of your apartment. However, you're absolutely right. Like that's so important um, that she knew exactly what Carrie was going through. She knew exactly what she was going to do. And, and she sat down and said, Hey, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes that is easier with your friends. Sometimes it is kind of easier to um, help your friends through something than to be emotionally vulnerable yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree. She she provides the space for other people. And I think that's a lot easier to do as a friend than as somebody who's like struggling with a lot of things and having to ask for that space. I know for me personally, like to ask for, to ask for that is, is huge when you already feel like to emotionally compromised to um to articulate how you're feeling (laughs) it's just so nice to yeah have somebody who like can already read you and I think that's that's something that you find in really strong relationships but Mm -hmm. well and you and you even see it with Charlotte's like when she's with Harry the first time before they break up and she's sort of starting to unfold a little bit it's like you kind of almost see this pattern in the three women, maybe Carrie, not as much, but, you know, we talked about with Samantha and with Miranda, how they kind of chip away at that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Charlotte, Harry does do a really amazing job in the same way that Smith and Steve do in that he kind of responds to her with humor. You know, he teases her a little bit in a very nice way. Um, And he, what we love about Harry, and I do say we confidently because we've talked about this before, um, but what we love about Harry is that he's just kind of unapologetically himself. And Charlotte sort of kind of finds herself within that, Mm -hmm. um, which is why I think another devastating Charlotte moment for me that I think about and makes me well up with tears is when Harry... Or no, when they get into a fight, because of course she converts to Judaism and um, she wants to marry him, et cetera, et cetera. And she says she kind of blows up here, expressing her emotions in a way that who knows where that came from. But she kind of blows up at him and she says, do you know what people think of us? Like, do you know how people look at us when they look at me and they look at you? And Harry says to her, oh my God, it like makes me tear up just thinking about it. And Harry says to her, like, I know what people think. I just didn't think that you did. What what a moment. But it's like that, I think, was such a pivotal point for Charlotte. And when they, you know, they meet again at that that cute little Jewish party and the the woman says, oh, it's nothing left but the fatties and the baldies. And Charlotte's hopes her baldy is there. It's just, it's such a good moment. And it's such a pivotal moment for Charlotte. And she, in basically begging for him back, in, in any way, she's like, I don't even care. Like, I don't care if you ever marry me. I don't, I just want you in my life. Like, mm-hmm. that is a hugely vulnerable moment. And it's like all these moments that make 
uh, Charlotte and Harry so strong and so solid. And I mm -hmm. love that for her. Yeah, we, we love that for her. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of my favorite Harry vulnerable moments, I, I don't think actually, Harry, I think Harry wears everything on his sleeve, his chest, his shirt. Like, it's just, it's all there. Like, he has, he has nothing to be ashamed about. Like, he is just very much upfront. That's who he is. Um, I love when he's naked and just, like, walking around. <laughs> good it's it's a literal expression as we talked about earlier with yes. stanford at the bar it's like there is literally no vulnerability like being naked in front of somebody and harry just lets it all hang out it's so good on the white couch too on the white couch <laughs> and so it's just so good for him and it's such a good um, that's what Charlotte needs, right? Like after Trey, like being so closed off and not like really talking about anything. Um, she needs somebody like Harry who's just right all, all out there <laughs> drinking tea on the get on the couch. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the tea begging moment with Samantha. <laughs> just breathe through your nose. <laughs> my gosh. Well, I do think it's important to acknowledge that um we have more tools and we have more resources and we have more just like general acceptance about these sorts of topics that we're talking about like i do think like i said earlier vulnerability is so hot right now so we sort of have um more insight and language to sort of talk about that emotional range yeah. um whereas at the time of this show i mean it wasn't even really on the radar yeah, yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't really talked about. Um, and it, yeah, like you said, we just didn't, we, we didn't have all of the avenues that we do now to, to express it. And I, I think also it's important like to, to see that being modeled for you, like whether that's on television shows or just in, you know, your own, your own personal life, like it's so important to have a model of like, okay, what, what does it look like to healthily express emotional vulnerability and what does it look like to be a really good supportive friend or a partner and be able to hear that and not make the other person feel like garbage for, <laughs> for listening to that um yeah and I think just now we have we have way more so many more examples of that to to watch um if that isn't necessarily present in our own lives that's honestly probably why I responded to this so much as a, as a wee little 16, 17 year old, because it was being modeled to me of like, oh, this is something that like, I never, I didn't have the language to talk about before. Um, this is something that I'm feeling. And, you know, Carrie, who at the time I really looked up to, um, she's expressing it so clearly in a way that I really understand. Um, and that, that just unlocked, you know, a way to both understand myself and like how I was able to like navigate the world. And unfortunately it wasn't like super healthy, but <laughs> um, you know, it gave me the language of like, okay, what is too much for some people? What isn't? Um, what do I reveal to some people? What do I not? Um, mm -hmm. My, a, a good, uh, I don't know. My therapist once told me that like, not everybody has the capacity to hold your heart. And like, I mean, that day was a lightning bulb lightning storm I don't know it was very enlightening for me <laughs> um, so much lightning 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's kind of, that's really the, the core of why I responded to this Carrie moment and why I think it was so important to to see and to talk about. Yeah, I. it's funny when you watch this as a teen, and it's funny too, and I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about really is what moments are resonating with us and like how we see that change. Growing up for me, like when I first watched this, this wasn't like a huge moment for me. And I remember really looking up to, of course, I mean, all the characters in an aspirational way, um, but especially that sort of like independence and especially that sort of like Samantha, like career woman, Miranda, like, you know, making lots of money, don't need no man, et cetera, et cetera. But I love this conversation because it really does show that even if it takes somebody to like chip away those moments from you, like a Steve or a Smith or a Harry, like whatever that may be, um, I think it is important to acknowledge. And I think I was that person. I was the, the Miranda with the barrier up and I, and I have been that person in many situations, but now learning over 10 years later, you know, it's the people that you have the most sincere and strong relationships with that you connect with on that emotional level. And I love what your therapist said, what not everyone has the capacity to hold your heart. I love that. I'm getting free therapy right now. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just so true. You have to sort of acknowledge and accept that um, while at the same time respecting your own need for that space. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's it's just kind of cool to see how that's changed over the years as it's reflected in media, as it's reflected in our rewatchings of Sex and the City, um, a series we love so much. But yeah, it's it's important to acknowledge that you're allowed to be emotionally slutty and you're allowed to be physically slutty. <laughs> but that is a whole other conversation. <laughs> Story We Can't, Don't Hate Us is edited and produced by Stephen Cook, who has never seen Sex in the City, but started diligently watching for research purposes and continued for Matthew McConaughey. And we are ever so thankful for that. <laughs> and a huge thank you to Travis Bretzer, who created our extremely jazzy theme music. He literally, we didn't ask him, he heard what was happening and volunteered. So please treat your ears and follow him on Spotify at Travis Bretzer. That's B-R-E-T-Z-E-R. -E um, he's a treat to listen to. Yes. Yeah, totally. And another special thank you to Jamie Clanahan, who used all of the crayons in her digital art box to create our splashy cover art and branding. You can check out her work at www.jamieclanahan.com. That's J A. I-M-E-C-L-A-N-A-C-H-A-N.com. And please rate, review, subscribe, or if you feel so inclined, DM us a post-it note to at don't hate us pod on Instagram.